0: Um, The topic that I'm bringing forward tonight is simply just managing common doubts. And look, there's no real deep and meaningful stuff here. In one sense, it's uh, having been around for a long time, you have enough things happen in your own life to reflect back upon. But when you're in a a leadership or pastoral role, there seems to be just a common reoccurrence of things which come and go with people. And uh, keeping in mind that our church is actually built on the power of God, as I said, we're not a church of theology where we just build on belief and that's all we've got. We don't build on a historic record that because my grandmother was in it, therefore uh, it's good for me, and because this and because that. Uh, We're actually a church built, well we are built on historic record, but it's scriptural power, the historic record we build on, not simply a, a plan or a line of succession that follows the generations as some churches were able to produce a genealogy right back to quite a few uh, decades or centuries ago for some of them. So, because we uh, are built on an experience with God, based on promises, based on the power of God working, then the solution to most of the common doubts which come is simply to go back and work and rely on the power which got us into the church in the first place, because. We can't go and do things which never got us into the church to rekindle something which might be lacking. So if our faith is lacking, you're not going to get it by doing anything less than what you did when you first came into the church. Now, one of the things that I try and express to people without it trying to be a burden is that whatever you did to receive the Holy Spirit, some of you received, as we saw with Megan several weeks ago, she just received in the baptism tank. She she sort of didn't have to go too far out of our way to pray to the Lord, to read, to be sort of uh, built up and whatever. Uh, She had an opportunity. She heard something. She liked it. She was confused, unsure, and said, "All right, if the Lord does this, here I am." And the Lord was able to respond to her. She received the Holy Spirit. She speaks in tongues. She's now uh, a very happy member of our fellowship at this point. Now, for other people. Um, I won't mention a name, but we have a certain brother. twenty odd years later, he almost begrudgingly receives the Holy Spirit because he's motivated one more time to make another effort to have another go, and he receives the Holy Spirit. Now he wasn't diligent from day one to year twenty, but he had moments where the Lord touched him, he had moments of awareness, and he battled a whole series of things which he can't even define because I've asked him if he could write it down. And he can't even explain the day he received the Spirit what was different than any other day in his life. So, not that it matters. I'm just trying to find if there's something there which can be motivational. So, we have all these things, but the bottom line for ourselves, whatever we did which brought us into the fellowship, whatever we did which gave us this infilling Holy Spirit experience, whatever process we did, that quite often reflects who we are the way our mind works, the way our personality interprets things, the way our psyche adapts and the way our commitment seems to ebb and flow. So to me it doesn't seem unreasonable that whatever you did to receive the Holy Spirit by way of attitude, commitment and whatever, that would be an appropriate response to apply to any moment in your life if you doubt or fear or hit the wall. Does that make sense? Because you've already proven it works for you. You've already proven, we all have a track record that God's been able to make this huge transformation and sometimes we just sort of lose sight of the fact that, hey guys, just simply opening your mouth and praying in the spirit is an evidence, that's a miracle. Speaking in tongues is a miracle. God gave it as a universal miracle because it was the one miracle that every ning-dong and every clever person in the church could equally operate with least amount of frictional trouble. And I'm not calling anyone a ning-nong, you know what I mean. I could have said, even the least in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, it's sort of the same thing. And I'd be the first one to admit, I've been a ning-nong at different times in my life, and I think if we all got down to it, we'd all, we, have, we all had many ning-nong moments, do we not? Yeah, we do. And we think, I will never do that again, but then you find another way to be a ning-nong tomorrow that you never thought of. <laughs> then you got another way, you know, how to um, how to correct. It's almost like what, when he was trying to invent the light globe, he had 260 ways so it goes or whatever it was that didn't work before he finally got on the formula, which did work. And of course, if he was alive today and saw the, uh, the little chip, the LED chip, he'd probably think, why did I bother? Anyway, all, all that aside, so we have this record of, a way to come to the Lord which we have managed. We also have the fact that we have a God who responds instantly. But in one sense, it, it, it's not worth much when our mind is troubled because it comes too easy. If we had to spend $10,000 to speak in tongues, would you value it more than you do now? Well, if it didn't happen to you spent 10000 I guess you would say yes, it would be of value. But because it's free and we have it all the time, then anything which is in abundance tends to be lowered in price. So if we have a glut of fruit or a glut of meat or they unload something on the market, it's all cheap, meaning it's not as valuable. But because God's given us something which is commonly available 24 hours a day while we're alive to operate, it can take a place in our heart as being something of low relevance, which is an error. But when the Holy Spirit becomes of low relevance, when the church becomes of low relevance, when maybe the promises of God become low relevance, that's when some of these problems start coming up. How did we solve it in the first place? We solved it by going to the Lord in prayer. And quite often with weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth or some sort of request, we went before the Lord, sometimes in despair, and just pleaded with the Lord. And sometimes we didn't. Sometimes like Megan in the tank, just... Oh, well, wow there's a god fancy that you know like just overwhelmed by a sudden event but she's got the rest of her life she's going to have to use that spirit to move along in and that's what it's about so when we come to managing common doubts there's a reality that first thing I would say is whatever worked in the first instance in your life that got you into the receiving the Holy Spirit whatever motivation was slowing at that time try and replicate that with your common knowledge you have now and that was a driver that worked for you. That is something that actually got you over the line. You've got a track record in your heart of that. In your mind you say God did respond to that. So that's not a doubt, it's not a fear, it's not a maybe, it's just simply God did respond to that. End of story. So that is a winner. That's a home run. You've you've done that one. So when things come up, um, question I had here. I don't seem to be able to keep myself interested in the things of the Lord. Well, I can relate to that, but I had that problem when I was seeking. I had moments, I ran hot, I ran cold and whatever. Once you get the Holy Spirit, you get another thing. But with that in mind, we have an approach, but we also have scriptural help. Because now, the Lord's been able to open up many of these scriptures in a way which are meaningful to us. And my favourite scripture, you could just read it, it's just another verse, but it's meaningful to me because it touches me. There's something in it, that, and something that touches Bruce, and, and everyone, everyone here will have something which touches them, perhaps which is different. So we fall back onto this personalized working of the Spirit, which touches and moves us and gives us things. And we read here in Romans 15:5. I think it's, and look, I've got these little questions and answers, and I've got a few more. I've used very simple scriptural references, but. Between the reference and the other part which I didn't write here and that is what motivated you and worked for you initially and the actual functioning of the spirit now when you just speak out in tongues or whatever else you do which has spiritual uh, lights working for you. When you combine that and a bit of scripture it puts a new lease of life into how you can manage the things that are happening. In Romans 15.5 it says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one towards another according to Christ Jesus that you may be in one mind and one mouth and glorify God even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now the question was I don't seem to be able to keep interested in the things of the Lord. I've just just covered everything by you. Understand that point? We haven't talked about anything here which is interesting to you. We've covered the point where the Lord said, be interested in others. Because as soon as you're interested in others, the blessing will start flowing. As soon as you start praying for people, encouraging other people, or moving yourself along, straight away the power of the Lord is working fully because the Lord has put love in us, not to love ourselves. The Lord has put love in us that we might love one another as I have loved you, which is a very powerful statement. But it's a working motivator which has spiritual uh, trailings that grab hold of things and drag them along with it. And one of the things that that does, it brings interest back into your life. But see, when we're not feeling happy, we think, oh, what can I do? Chocolate, Coffee, milkshake, movie, maybe some clothes. Maybe I go buy a red Mustang and hoon around the street. You know, we start thinking in terms of things that might tickle our fancy. And the reality is, if you really want to get some interest back in your life, start thinking of other people and the things that might be beneficial to them. And straight away, you'll have interest in your own life because God just comes in and blesses you. And we. <coughs> There's going to be no interest in anything if you have blessing lacking. It's just too easy to get to self. And God doesn't want us to be self. Um, one of the promises he gives in a sort of a, a principled way, and look, we do have to cater for our needs. I'm not advocating we bypass responsibility and due processes. you would well understand. But the great achievement that we have through the Spirit is that we have the ability to go and serve others and any process we do which wants to see blessing involved in it has got to include servitude. When we don't have service to others, we become self-focused, self-obsessed, then we have disappointment because the bulk of all our blessings in our life when you go back and think about the major happy moments of your life have nearly always involved someone else and you being a party to that someone else's blessing, life, whatever. You go back in your own life when your children received the Spirit, or when your father or mother received the Spirit, those joyous moments. Um, I'm sort of getting on a little bit now, just slightly over 21 and a bit, and uh, every time I have a birthday, I-, I would rather just go out and celebrate my children, because that's what makes me happy. So they say, Brad- Dad, Dad, we want to take you out for D, you know, where do we want to go? And I'm thinking, if I let them pick, we'll have hamburgers, which are horrible, or we'll have some foreign I, I had a different word, but I'll say foreign food that I don't find palatable, or something that this one doesn't like, something that that one doesn't like, and I said, Hey, why don't you come to our place and I'll cook you something? Because that's what makes me happy, is just getting the family around having a meal. They're almost offended because their father's cooking for them on his birthday. And I said, But I, that's what I want. Bad luck, you're outvoted. And I was outvoted. Where did we go? We went to a Vietnamese restaurant. It's okay. I didn't mind it. I would rather have honestly just been sat at home, done something for them, and we all could have had just a wonderful meal. And it would have been great. And look, it was great what we did. But everyone's in the car, driving in the rain, driving around the block five times because the parking was over-parked and all those things. And uh, honestly, the great joy would have been just to do something. That they liked, yeah, And the answer was no. But that's my joy. Is it your joy? Yeah, think about it. From, I'm not talking about cooking for your family. I'm just talking about just doing things. What pleases your heart? Now, yeah, well, the Lord's put another spirit in us, and the things which please our heart now, which address questions like, "I don't feel like I'm part of the church. Something's not matter." Well, if you want to be part of the church, go and serve someone because that's the role of the church. Go and help someone, go and pray for them, encourage them, visit the sick, or whatever. But you think that, I'm not real good at hospital stuff, I'm not real good at, that's okay. Find someone that you relate to and spend some time with them and talk with them. Ask them, how did you come to the Lord? What did the Lord do which changed your life? How were you thinking? What did you do when the troubles were there? What were you doing when you were feeling negative? How did you handle despair or rejection? And because you're working with someone else straight away, the solutions which common doubts seem to cancel out, they're back alive in your mind because they're the answer. If you listen to the gifts of the Spirit, you'll always find that probably on 99.9% they're always servitude directional in one form or another. They're always encouraging and if they're not servitude about you doing something, it's always servitudinal from God's point of view saying that I will do this, Jesus will do that or whatever whatever. It's, it's servitudinal. That, that's simply how it is. It's about other powers managing people would need, which includes you doing the same. So the solution to things which I would call common doubts is simply it's, it's not some clever witch in your mind just resetting your thinking. that can be very effective for some. You know, a bit of humble pie sometimes can go a long way. Sometimes just get the family photo album out and start going through it and realising, for me, I go through our family album and everyone older than me is gone. Everyone's gone. If I get my wedding photos out, there's my mum in a miniskirt. Should have been against the law, that she was there. So there's my mum in a miniskirt and there's my dad and there's my stepfather and there's this one and there's that one, auntie, uncle, grandmother, grandfather, not one of them is currently alive. So I can go back for all those things and and it can bring value and opportunity and perhaps regret sometimes into our life that the value is about the family we're part of. And if you've got genuine love in your heart for the Lord then this family is genuinely your love because that's how it works. So when we start coming, like I did read you here, now the God of all patience, which is probably a point of awareness for you, and consolation, meaning he's able to comfort you and console you and a few other things. Grant you to be like-minded one towards another. Hey, that's the solution. Be like-minded one towards another. Turn your mind into the mind of Christ. But it doesn't mean you have to be super spiritual. It doesn't mean you have to rush outside or rush into the hospital and lay hands on everyone, every ward and see them all jump out of their beds and leaping and praising God. If that was planned, it would already be happening. It's never happened, won't ever happen, because that's not how it works. Even Jesus himself, unfortunately, faced many moments of disappointment where he went into a whole city where they had sicknesses, where there would have been cancers and mental diseases and all sorts of uh, birth defects and that, and they had already, the testimony of him, had already gone into town of what he'd done round about, how he fed the thousands, how he did this, how he did that. They knew. And yet some places he went to, it was drop dead, get out of here, we don't want to talk to you. Don't know what the reason was, but that was sort of the thing. And he said, hey, couldn't do anything. A couple of little smatterings here and there, a bit of blessing for some, and it was all over. Now, our encouragement from the Lord is that we're going to have times where it just doesn't feel right, doesn't seem right, there's going to be doubts, there's going to be fears. Nearly every one of these um, directives the Lord gives us is about rekindling position. In other words, get back to where you started, and that can be very hard because sometimes if you're sort of doing gym work and you sort of do the gym for six months and you stop and all of a sudden you're not where you used to be, to go and do the gym straight away mentally you think I've got to get to where I left off. No, you don't have to get to where you left off, you've got to get to where you were doing something. And time will take care of the balance. So you actually got to get back to pressing the weights and whatever you're doing. Don't look at the result, because that's a that's a misnomer. You've got to look at what you were doing. It gave you a result, and that's what you're going to get back to. But sometimes we see some folk move out of the fellowship, they struggle here and there, and 20-30 years later, sometimes some try and make a comeback, and they're trying to get themselves in this position, where they somehow come back at the height of their spiritual endeavour. It's not going to happen. You've only got to get to where you were that got your spirit filled, then let the Lord. Move you along. This is a good chance he might take you on a different journey than the one you're already on, because the one you're on left you in despair and failure. So there's a good chance he'll take another road that might see you go the full distance. And sometimes that happens when we reset the clock and try and revalue the things that we have with Jesus and with the Lord, with each other. And um, I, I just never get. Uh, disappointed by going out and helping people because it just seems the Lord just keeps turning things over in my favour and um, it, it's just I, I can't put it down to anything else ex- outside the fact it's simply a law of the spirit and uh, just spending um, an hour and a half last night with uh, Cherry and Graham, who equally had the same attitude because she goes everywhere, witnesses to everyone, talks to all her friends, rallies, just sort of just continually is in their ear. And we had a lot in common because the people in Adelaide quite often, when I'm over there, uh, pastor there and some of the others, grab holders, and we, he says, "Right, I've got three really hard, hard nut cases. So let's go and hit them one by one." And we just go out and visit all these people. Quite often, many of those people simply come back to fellowship because people have made an effort to do something for them. And most of what we talk about when we're talking to people, when they say, "Oh, look, I've been in the Lord, and this went wrong and that went wrong," we say, "All right, what did work for you?" We take them back to what worked. We take them back to what actually gave them faith and courage and we kick it off from that point. And quite often when they just sort of get rid of all this other excessive uh, doubt and unbelief and trouble and imaginations, they've got, that's simple, I can do that. Then they think, well, how can I get a victory? That's too simple. Surely there's got to be something, different. we always have a bit of a joke, well, if you want to donate $10,000 to the church or something, it's okay, we don't mind. You know, you you can have your little funny with them but it does seem too simple for them and yet that's exactly how they received the Holy Spirit. Just doing something simple, something that worked and again we get back to that. Another question I've got here. Um, I know the Bible is true and the Bible can be relied upon but I find myself, even when I read these things, it just doesn't lock in. And it's a, a different type of problem to a degree. It's not someone challenging the Word of God or challenging fellowship or that. They just somehow can't lock their brain into gear. And again, we just have this same thing. You find a scripture, try and relate to the fact that the Lord's counted that already from the scripture, then take them back to something which has already worked for them or take them on a process for something that's not completed so they can complete it, so something that they haven't had work for them can now work for them. And that's not all that hard because when you're doing that to others, you know what you're doing you're actually doing it for yourself. Because you're actually rekindling in your heart what's working for you. And one of the things you're... This is going to sound a bit judgmental, but sometimes you sit in marriage counseling situations where you're going through it, boy, do I appreciate my wife when I'm in those positions. Just sometimes you think, praise God you know, that I'm not battling this and she's not battling that, that we've got a uniformity about who we are and you're sort of in some of those things you just think, praise God, but other people look at her and me and think, praise God, I'm not them. (laughs) So I guess it's proportionate to how you interpret the world equally. But when you're talking to other people, it's just so good because the Lord's giving you stuff while you're doing it, but when you're um, inflicting yourself upon yourself, you don't get anything. It, it's really, I think that's when you really hit the wall, is when your inflection is you with you, where the solution to break out of this is actually go and invest in someone else so that what's lacking in you can actually be given. Because when you're talking to people, we all know the Lord gives you words to speak. And alright, they might be part of what you're already thinking, but you just say things that perhaps you wouldn't have phrased that way or little scriptures come to mind which you normally wouldn't have utilized is the process of speech but that is also the solution for you because the lord knows what he's working with so he's giving you an answer while while the lord's healing another he's healing you at the same time and this is the quickest way to overcome any problem is to go out and help someone else overcome their problem and that seems to be a perennial in the lord just it's something that works and it's been working a long time and so Even for myself, the joy of just going out, helping someone, I don't mean helping them in the sense of mowing their lawn, that's a different type of joy I guess, but just simply spiritually being there and, and offering advice and encouraging and praying with them, all these things just have power in them. Now I've got here uh, Hebrews 4.2, just a simple little reference. Like I said, I've got many more here, you can take a copy home, read it yourself, I perhaps wanted to more set the attitude behind why I'm using these scriptures and actually quote the scripture themselves so that you can, when you read these things, put them in, not in, oh, if I do this, God will, and if I do that. No, it's not about you doing this with God and you doing that with God. It's about you doing something with someone else which God then can overview and bless both of you at the same time because that's where the blessing is, is when two people are on the same blessing. Um, it's just sort of you know, there's terms like synergy and other things where just the power of two people is greater than the power of one. The Lord says, a, you know, a 3 cord rope can never be broken. There's things like that. They're just explanations of spiritual um, realities which we might not be able to define because they're spiritual. So we can't define them. So God uses natural things so we can define something. Go, yeah, I can explain it that way, but, you know, how can the Lord be a two-fold or a three-fold cord? Well, he's not. He's just simply giving you some awareness about how strong he is, or how strong unity can be for you, meaning how much more he can do for us, simply because a rope is properly put together rather than loosely put together. Because there's a, a way that it works better than it is if it's uh, put together some other way. Now Hebrews 4 verse 2 He said, For unto us for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith with them that heard it. So part of what we do is when we discuss these things, when we think about these things, if we're going to mix it with faith, it doesn't mean we sort of sit there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, like it's not that type. Faith is to do something. When you mix something with faith, it means you put it into into practice. So it's a bit like the guys when, uh, you know, the Lord said, well, take your pictures with the thing and no swords, guys, just a trumpet and the picture and something to break the picture. And when you get in front of, you know, a couple of hundred thousand, 150,000 soldiers, whatever they were, what you're going to do is break the picture and shine the light. And you know, all these guys are going, yeah, now all 150,000 can see every one of us, all 300 of us. But it wasn't about that. They did that, blew the trumpet, and What happened? the Lord converted an act of faith, an act which didn't make sense necessarily, into just a supreme miracle, where the enemies were totally defeated and wonderful victories were one which enabled the progression of the word of God to be in front of us today. Because if that hadn't have happened, we wouldn't have a Bible. The the, the line of God's descendancy down to this age and through the, the gospel age and so on. All of these things could have ceased so many times in the past but people did things. And when I look at that story I marvel and I'm thinking, I think it's a lot easier to have faith and receive the Spirit because I, I'm not into people with swords and spears and being angry standing right next to you. You sort of think, it probably wouldn't end well. And it'd be just my luck I'd stand on the dog's tail or something while I was there and you know who would know? But you, you get my drift, don't you? There, there's a message here. And sometimes the things the Lord says just seem dumb like that might seem dumb, but because we know the end, it's no longer dumb, it's very wise to do it. But sometimes you hear, "Ah, oh, but I've already prayed, I've already read, oh, you know, it sounds dumb. But for those who come out the other side of it with the solution, it's no longer dumb. It's, this works. This works. So, when managing common doubts and problems when they come our way, no matter what they are, just go back to the simple procedure, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? What was in your mind? How did you approach God? Just have your prayer. But this time you're not trying to find God for the first time, you're trying to rekindle part of what you might have lost. God's not left you, he's in you, that's why you've got a tongue. But you're trying to rekindle perhaps a bit of the motivation which moved you forward, which very quickly now, compared to being unsaved, will actually start bringing results. And the Lord, the Lord can work with anything. When I when I was uh, doing a, uh, a degree, <coughs> I had to I had four years' work or three and a half years' work to do, and I'm thinking, how in the world did all this study and do that and do the other? But I never missed a meeting. But my rule of thumb is I don't care if there's an exam on tomorrow, and I've got a group of people here praying for the Spirit. If I'm up to two o'clock in the morning. The Lord comes first. And if I fail bad Like I don't care. Now, that's always my attitude with the Lord. And you know what? The four years became 18 months. And the 18 months uh, um, just ended so quickly, I couldn't believe it. And in the end, they gave me the degree. because I didn't even have to write anything because the woman had a huge problem with the owners of their... Uh, they had two colleges. They had a college for counselling and I had a college for business principles and practices, and the two chief principals were head to head unresolvably so, and I was sitting from a counselling degree, and it wasn't a religious one, it was the, um, I I don't know what they use, it's just the one for the people in the world. They had a special term which I can't remember. Anyway, so I'm, I'm doing this, and she rang me up and just asked me a couple of questions. She said, you've had a lot of dealing with people, I know that but you also have God's understanding. She said, What would you do in my position? And I said, Go to your friend and just simply say to your friend who's the other business owner, I had millions invested in this business, say, I'm sorry, what can I do to fix our problem? And she said, It's not my problem. It's not my fault, it's her fault. I said, No, no, listen to what I'm saying. Is your friendship worth more than being right or wrong? If your friendship is worth more, and proving her wrong or proving you right, then you just simply say, what can I do to fix our problem? Anyway, about half an hour later I get a phone call, congratulations, you don't need to come to anymore. you are fully accredited, we're signing it off. I'm supposed to write 20,000 words. She said, don't even bother. She said, those few words on the phone are worth more than anything you could have written to me ever. She said, all we need to do is establish whether you can do this job credibly or not. And that was the response. Now that was simply by putting the Lord first look, it might not work that way, but it, it worked for me. And I'm sure it's worked for other people. Then I had several other calls later with suicides and things where they wanted me to go in and talk through some of those things and it was very helpful. But just simply putting God first, just and without realizing it, all I was doing is doing what I did, which got me spirit filled in the first place. That was persevering. At that time in my life I couldn't verbalise it. I didn't know how to say it because I probably hadn't had the clarity of mind to just line all the ducks up and say, oh, fancy that, that's what's happening. But it was no different than Lindsay Martin when he did things there and it was no different than Alan Ford when he did things there. They all lined up the ducks and did what they did but effectively every one of them when we faced a drama, all we were doing is we went back to the practice that got us filled with the spirit and stuck to it with the benefit of more knowledge, more scripture, and more awareness, and, of course, an understanding that the supply network now we had is we had everyone crying rather than just ourselves. And that was just so helpful, and all the people searched.